Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette, and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals. That's right, the one thing we want to know about these people, not where they were born, not what their relationship with their parents was like, just what musicals they really love. This week's guest is a very, very exciting guest. It is Alice Fern, the incredible Alice Fern, who you'll know from Wicked and Come From Away, and, and she's been in so, so much. We talk a lot about her career, um, a little bit about the upcoming Wicked movie, which she may or may not have anything to do with. We talk a little bit about the brand new Then, Now and Next, soon to open at the Southwark Playhouse. In fact, by the time this episode goes out, it will be open at the Southwark Playhouse. Get down there right now. Make sure your journey is about long enough to listen to this episode so you get the full inside scoop before you see it. But make sure you get there between the 23rd of June and 29th of July, 2023. It is by Christopher J. Orton and John Robbins. Uh, we talk about it a lot in this episode. It sounds really exciting. A brand new piece of British musical theatre writing. I can't wait to see it. I'm sure it will be phenomenal. This podcast is produced in association with MusicalTheatreReview.com, your premier source for news, reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. Right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into the chat with the wonderful, the marvellous Alice Fern. Oh my God, that looks so confusing and I do not know how you've learned that jacket choreography. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake mayor, Ian Boquette. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. Not only is she one of the most thrillingly virtuosic vocalists we have, but whether she's starring in Into the Woods, Shrek, Wicked, Come From Away, she never fails to build a real emotional connection to her characters and her audience, making her a true treasure of the West End. She's about to star in the brand new musical, Then, Now and Next, at the Southwark Play house alice fern thank you so much for joining us on the podcast thank you what an amazing intro i appreciate it <laughs> well, what an amazing career all this amazing stuff you've done well let's start with a new show actually then now and next it's a brand new piece of writing obviously i don't know much about it other than what we've seen in the press release what can we expect from this show well um it's it's been a long time in the making by uh, two friends of mine um chris orton and john cohen uh john robbins i should say sorry cohen's original name uh joel robbins and um basically it was sort of i think they started it many many years ago when they were working together but it really it's become a lockdown project boredom struck and they decided to finish something that they'd started many many years ago and you know boredom also struck for me and anyone that came to me with anything really I was like yeah I'll sing that in my in my living room I'll do anything you know so yeah it kind of developed from there and then obviously it looked like it had some legs and uh and so they've developed it and it's um it's a story based around a central character of Alex who I play and it's about there's, we have two timelines, one from the past and one in the present. And it's about her actually recovering from a loss and how she recovers from that and the memories that stir in her memories of those. And we jump timelines all over the place. Very This Is Us, aka This Is Us from the TV program, if anyone knows it. Um, and yeah, she's jumping back into memories of, of her previous sort of life, as it were, and then jumping back into the present. And it's about how, how you move forward, how you learn to sort of live with it and move on with life. It's quite emotive and, very, and quite powerful, really, in that sense. Something that spans such a long time of a person's life, it must really let you get into the character and find things in your own life that you can relate to. 
yeah, how you sort of like uh, approach love when you're young to when you're a little bit older and a bit more wiser and, and actually have been through a lot more, you know, there's, and, and I think, um, going into my love life tremendously, um, there's definitely, um, there's definitely things that I go, yeah, I would have reacted like that back when I was 22, 23, 24. And yet when someone comes into your life in your thirties and mid to late thirties, you know, you do react somewhat differently. And, uh, and that's quite interesting to compare you know, what they've written there with, with actual real life sort of, you know, a, a version of myself. So yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 and it's interesting to play that kind of energy, you know, when you're younger, you know, you sort of have so much, so much more, there's, there's almost like a passion that you can't sort of like a, a sort of fearless kind of world that you live in. And, and you do, as you get towards, you know, your late thirties, forties, which I am getting to, everything become you just sort of like you know it sort of um approach life and, and love in a, in a very very different way and with a little bit more tensivity so yeah and that is exactly what they've written with this character so I can feel very connected to it in that way and can very much um look upon my own life for those um for help with that I guess your last two huge roles were um Elfbow and Wicked young teenagers starting university and then Captain Beverly Bass almost approaching retirement so you've you've got some experience at this playing throughout the ages yeah uh, yes with varying ages, I feel quite lucky that people still feel that they that I can play um, the slightly younger parts and also have you know enough uh, enough in me and maybe enough life experience to play the older roles. So I'm very I'm sort of in, still in that place, which I think is lovely. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think again, it's listen, it's acting, isn't it? So you just get yourself into a how how do you react with those ages and how do you react in those sort of older stages? And there are, there are huge differences. I think everyone could play it, but obviously I am in a kind of position where I go, I know exactly what, what those two sort of challenges are. And luckily the skin is still, you know, sort of, you know, from far away, young enough to pull off 16 and well, when it's painted green, I think you can pretty much pull off anything, but uh, yeah, there were, there were huge roles that had huge storylines and, and, um, and lots of different types of sort of, things to play and emotions to control which I think I love about it actually and, and actually when I look back on those two roles and having spent sort of like last five years really doing those two roles um uh I love how different they were mm. um I'm really appreciative of that as as a performer but also as an actor because you you sort of get out of when you finish playing Alpha, there's sort of like a, a there's a sort of you play it with a bit of trauma. You play everything with a little bit of trauma because she's very. She's, there's a lot going on with with Elf when you leave her, and so you you don't want to really take that into anything else you want. But you do need something to sort of like splash you out of that a little bit. And of course, come from why was that for me? Mm. I was, did have this ability to completely go. Okay, so this is completely. And also, like you know, I'll say I played Beverly Bass, but there was also another very major character called Annette that I played in that show, uh, which was my Gander character, who just was completely different to anything I played for many many years. We're harking back to sort of like. Shrek times when I played someone that sort of like silly and ridiculous, which I loved. And so, you know, you, you, you're thrown out of, of what you did in, Elf, in as Alpha Burn Wicked and then you're put into this amazing position where you're going to create two brand new characters that are very, very different. So I feel, yeah, I feel very, very lucky I've done that. And I think it helped me tremendously um, to do one after the other there. And it's so exciting you've been involved since the workshop stages as well. I imagine you've been able to feed a lot of your experience in and given feedback so the scripts and the songs can evolve as you find these characters. Very much so. We did two lockdown workshops, which are, you know, hell on earth on Zoom, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> yep. But, um, yeah, that there was you could see the whole piece and you sort of, as a character that's very much a central character, I sort of could go, 
you know, I, I, you know, they always ask my thoughts, which is fantastic from this team and which I adore. Um, but I did definitely say, you know, you need to make sure that she falls in. There's a reason why she falls in love with him. There needs to be, there needs to be a reason that you buy into that relationship. And so, you know, from my perspective, um, I could very much give them that. And I think that I, I would like to think, and I'm sure it did, um, help them tremendously in there when they, you know, rewrote script and re- rewrote um, areas of the, of the score. So, yeah, I feel it, that's quite nice to be involved in that for sure. The two previous roles you're talking about come from away wicked, big, huge American shows. But this new show is obviously a new piece of British musical theatre writing that you've been involved with since the start. Um, It sounds like new musical theatre writing is something that's important to you. I think it just is important in general. Mm. Like, I think we can get really... I love revivals. Don't get me wrong, I've been involved in revivals. And when things come back, I get excited about things coming back. So I think the world, there is definitely a place for stuff like that. I think that there needs to be a place with this new development of new stuff. We need to be challenged. We need to, we need to learn new material. We need to create new material because there's, there's stories out there. We don't just need the same stories. We, there are so many stories out there. Come from away is a new musical. You know, I mean, I've been involved in that, you know, I mean, relatively new. Um, It came from something that happened and someone that wrote something and said that, and, and, it's you know uh, in fact one of your questions that you're going to ask me later I've got I've got an answer for that's something that's brand new as well yeah. I think it's just really important that we still support it because we don't know what's going we might get the next Hamilton we might get the next Come From Away we might get the next Wicked and if we don't support them we will never know that so it's that's why I'm really keen to always support them as best I can mm. and desperate for audiences to give stuff a chance if they don't know it I know it's hard I know we like to spend our money. Mm. Uh, on things that we know probably are a surefire good night. But uh, at the same time, I think if we can, um, it's it's really important to follow and, and support anything that's new, I think. Well, a really good selling point about this new show is obviously not only is I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be brilliant and the people behind it, Christopher J. Orton, John Robbins, it's going to be phenomenal. But to see your incredible belting singing voice in an intimate venue like the <laughs> Southwark Playhouse just right in your face, who wouldn't want to buy a ticket for that, surely? Well, I know. I, was, I did say, I said, are you micing me? And I said, because uh, a lot of my songs are, of course, huge. Um, and uh, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, good. I've got to have to sort of make sure the front row, um, I'm standing further enough back from the front row because we do know that my voice is tends to be rather loud. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's very different to get to, to show that, have that voice in that kind of a venue, which again is just, you know, it's important to, to me to do that. I don't, and, you know, you see on people on big stages and you, and you tend to miss a lot of what they're doing close up. And on that, I think that's, that's a nice for, for my fans or anyone coming to the show is that um, they, you know, they get to see the really the bare bones of what we're doing as actors, which is great. Uh, it's such a great venue for new shows. I think they've got Benjamin Button at the moment, another very exciting new British show. They put on new work all the time. Um, it's one of my favourite venues. Was there some discussion about where you'd be debuting this piece or was it always just Southern Playhouse, of course? Not with me. I don't think I was privy to those those conversations, but I'm sure it's worryingly. I don't know if it's worryingly, but I suppose there are very few places that are willing to give their space to new stuff. That is a worry. Um, and I think... Southern Playhouse is luckily one of those that are very open to the idea. They obviously want to see certain aspects of it. They need to know it's a full rounded piece. They need to know that there's people attached to it, blah, blah, blah. So um, there are definitely hoops you have to jump through, rightly so, because they want to protect their theatres and make sure they still run. But yes, I think Southwark, uh, and I think there are unfortunately only a handful of places that will 
give their life to a new show and a new show also that is based on nothing. Like it's not based on a film or a story that we've heard before or, you know, a play that might have been written that we've turned into a musical or anything that we can really recognize. It's, it's, it's as brand new as it gets. Uh, and that is quite rare for a show to be um, developed and produced uh, in that way by subject. So I, I hold my hat up to them. Those are always the best experiences in a theatre as well, when you go in with no preconceptions, no thinking, oh, I've read the book, I know what this is going to be. Just an entirely fresh new show and also fresh new ideas, a new way of looking at life, a new story. Yeah, it's really good. And I think, you know, as I say, that what they've written is really great. I think it's really well-rounded. I think it's... Um, it's really whole now from when I've worked on it before. So yeah, it's really exciting. Um, something I was looking through your your CV before before doing this, and something that really stood out to me was all your, the work you've done um, on films, on recording background vocals and things. I imagine how do you? I mean, how do you get started in that? How do you how do you go up to the director of Les Mis and say I want to sing in the chorus of this? <laughs> well, it is quite random. There is actually so because I sight read. So when I say sight read, I can look at a, a sheet of music and I can pretty much read it pretty much bang on what's written on the page because I have already always done music. I played piano and harp and things when I was growing up. So oh, wow. um, that was um, that was something that really helped you in that scenario of film film scores. Basically, the first time I stepped into it was a company that sing on films and scores and stuff um, needed extra musical theatre voices for. Sweeney Todd, the movie, with starring Johnny Depp. And I had to go and audition for it, and I did audition for it, and then I worked for this woman who, who does a lot of film scores. And she just said, oh, you can really read. And I was like, yeah, I can really read. Like, I'm, yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, I just, like, I need more voices, and I need young voices. And at the time, at the time I was, like, 25. So I was like, yeah, count me in. And then I got into it that way. And, I mean, when I say, you sometimes do movie musicals, and obviously I will probably do those if they come up. But like you're singing on like random things where you're just doing oohs and ahs in the background. I mean, we've done like Minority Report and things like that, those kind of films as well. You know, oh, uh, no. The Da Vinci Code, The Da Vinci Code, we did all the... And when you, when you listen, when I listen to The Da Vinci Code now, I really hear our vocals on it <laughs> because obviously I remember it. So, you know, it's like we do like a variety of stuff. And obviously when it comes to a musical that, uh, that's been mentioned, movie, I'll definitely get that. Lemmy's, I was actually in the movie of Lemmy's and I remember I got, so he they called me up and said, would you do the ensemble singing of that as well? I've been in the show, so I was like, yeah, fine, not a problem. Um, so it was, I, I absolutely love that because A, it's challenging for the old brain, um, but B, it just me, and it just, it, it's really satisfying to do. I love film music. It's one of my absolute passions. I absolutely love to listen to like the Gladiator soundtrack, uh, yes. anything by Hans Zimmer. You know, you listen to all this stuff and it's just so big and fabulous and amazing and emotive. And so I love to listen to it. So to get to sing along to some of those sometimes is really quite fabulous for me because I'm so passionate about the, the genre itself. So yeah, quite a random way to get into <laughs> it. Quite hard, I think. It, I was lucky that there was a movie musical at the time that needed some voices. But yeah, it's a lovely little uh, like thread to the bow that I've got. Oh, of course. And you take your friends to the cinema and you've got something to show off about at all these blockbuster films. Yeah, I said, that's me on the top line there. You know Love what it. I mean? To my husband when we go and see something. <laughs> Amazing. Well, on the subject of movie musicals, there are a lot of rumours about the new Wicked movie and about maybe you're involved in that in some way. I'm sure there are a million confidentiality contracts in place, if that's so. But I don't know, have you, have you seen Ariana Grande recently? Seen Cynthia Arrivo recently? <laughs> I have to ask. Gosh, I, I couldn't confirm or deny anything. Um, but I've definitely seen some clips of her. And uh, I think she is going to be uh, the perfect, the perfect Linda, I have to say. I think, I think actually what 
um, I see in her, in, in the small clips I've seen of her, is just um, she absolutely adores it. I think it's yes. the most important thing. Her passion for that show and that, and that role is um, undeniable. But also the way she is, I think, as a person is very Glinda-like. Mm. Uh, and there are a lot of qualities that she can take and sort of put into Glinda that is actually just sort of natural that comes out of her naturally. So I think she's going to be amazing. I know Cynthia a little bit as well. And when those that casting came out, I thought that is brilliant. The clips I've seen, the sets they've built are extraordinary. And I think, you know, in the, it's in the very early stages, obviously, of seeing things. But I think it's, I think it's going to be the perfect movie musical of Wicked. For something with so little... Um, content put out for the public yet there's so much buzz about it everyone who's worked on it says it's going to be the best thing ever and I mean we haven't all been lucky enough to meet Ariana Grande in real life but if you say she's a perfect Linda I'll take your word for it I couldn't again couldn't (laughs) confirm or deny if I met her or not (laughs) I'll get to start off for it but um but no it's uh yeah I from what I've seen um I'm very excited for it well talking about big musicals we should get on to the big musical questions yes so You've obviously had an amazing career in musical theatre. Was there one show which really first made you fall in love with the art form? Well, I would say that the very earliest was the 10th anniversary of Les Miserables that came out on TV. Back when we only had like three channels, which you probably won't remember. Do you know what I mean? We had like three. Like ITV was like quite new and Channel 4 was like about to be developed. And it was like, oh, we're getting another channel. <laughs> so I remember it like, I can't remember what time of year it was, but I feel like it might have been Christmas. And Les Mis was celebrating like 10 years. And they had the anniversary cast, which was Con Wilkinson, Leia Salong, Ruthie Henshaw, Michael Ball. Uh, all the originals came back to the 10th anniversary. And I remember watching that going yes. like a gog. I was yeah. like, I have to. I, that is amazing. And I loved that show anyway. But I'd seen that. And that was definitely a turning point for me. I do also remember seeing Miss Saigon, actually, same writers. That, yes. And going, <laughs> I want to. That's just amazing. And that was one of my favorite scores as well. But really randomly... I went to see, and this wasn't far off that Lemmy's moment. We, we, I lived in Cumbria, so it's quite up north. Scotland was kind of our closest for the big musicals that were on tour. So I went to see a production because we were quite fans of Cliff Richard. Mum was a huge fan of Cliff, and I just um, was also a fan just because she was really. Sure. And we went to see a production of a musical that he was in called Heathcliff, and he was playing Heathcliff. Yeah. And oh my God, it's. The, it was like the best score. I had the best night and I was like, oh my God, I'm doing it. I have to do musical theatre. I love it. And I didn't think it was really possible, but definitely that show, Heathcliff the Musical, and I still listen to it now. I can still sing most of the um, music from it, was just one of my absolute favourites. I mean, like, Cliff, I love him, absolutely gurning on that stage now when I think back <laughs> to it. Like, I even got the video, the VHS of it. It was like so big and so ridiculous, but um, like I loved it. And that was it was definitely I've never forgotten it. So obviously it, it was a huge thing for me. Well, yeah, I'm I'm sad that I've never actually sat down and listened to Heathcliff. Is it a straight adaptation of Wuthering Heights or is it something different? Yeah, pretty much a straight adaptation. Yeah. Um, but there's some cracking numbers in it. Uh, really yeah. good. And he's very, they sound very Cliff Richard, like from the 80s, where they were sort of like there was a lot of um synth and there was a lot of like drum in it it was sort of it was it was like it was really there were really cracking tunes actually and um i could still sing you half of them now yeah literally (laughs) pretty much give you i could pretty much do the entire edition of the show (laughs) yeah well let's hope that happens one day that clearly needs to be brought back (laughs) um i can't i can't imagine cliff richard as a heathcliff type figure that's really interesting casting good for him yeah i mean perfect casting probably not (laughs) 
Um, but I remember that it, it was like one of the biggest selling shows of the, of the time because he was doing it. He was huge. Um, and so as soon as he said, I'm doing Heathcliff and Heathcliff the musical, it's Cliff Richard, like it sold out. Um, so it was a massive success because of that. But yes, perfect casting, I, I'm not buying. <laughs> <laughs> you say you can still sing all of those songs to this day. But is there one musical which has a score which always gets stuck in your head? Uh, yeah, it would be... Um, I actually would be Hamilton because I saw it the other night, actually, because I had the cast, they're about to do a cast change and I have some friends leading it. Mm. So I went to see it um, just before they cast change this week. And um, yeah, I was like, I woke up the next morning and still sang it. Like, to, you know, as, as my husband brought me my cup of tea, mm. I was just like, it's in my head. Yeah, I can't stop singing it. So yeah, I do think that is particularly catchy, mainly probably because I can't really sing it very well. So I try and like get as, ma- like, as many of the lyrics into my head as possible. But yeah, that's definitely one I can't get rid of. There's a famous statistic about that show. It's got like more words in it than King Lear or Macbeth or Hamlet or something. And I think I know every single one of them. It is so catchy. Yeah, it really is. You just can't. And you you just can't help but love it. And I would never and, you know, have thought that that would have been the case for a musical. But but it's so well written. Mm. Like, it's really, really good. And I was going to see it going, yeah, I'll see Hamilton again, kind of like uh, nonplussed about it um, because I've seen it a couple of times. Um, and I came out and I just had, oh my God, I just had the best night. And I was screaming at my friends because I went on the stage afterwards. I was just like, it's still utterly brilliant. Like, you know, so I, you know, I just don't think it'll ever get old. Yeah. It's another one of those like Wicked. You can see it as many times as you want. You can know it off by heart, but it's, it still blows you away. Definitely. What is your favourite musical currently running in London? Yeah, I found this one quite hard to answer actually. Um, sure. because I think I've got a few that I quite like. But a lot that have closed, like if Come From Away was still running in the West End right now, I'd be picking it. And even if I wasn't in it, I'd be picking it. So so I find that that's kind of sad that that's no longer there. I think, and there's one I'm going to mention in a minute in regards to another question that you've asked me, um, that I have a feeling I'm going to love as well. Um, But I think if you had, you know, a gun to my head and uh, you said you have to answer this question, Alice. I will say at the minute what the best show that is my favourite show that's running is Wicked. It's an absolutely solid choice. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I, I say that as someone who goes to see Wicked and really loves it. You say to someone who's been in it eight shows a week, one of the hardest parts on the West End. Do you, does it not start to get a little bit, I have to do this again, it's going to break my body if I have to sing this song one more time? <laughs> Um, do you know what? I, one of my favourite quotes is when I finished and I text uh, Venomine Bukeke, who's, uh, you know, obviously one of the biggest elfers from Europe, because mm. um, she mentioned me saying, well done, your run, you know, and uh, and I actually took over from her. I said, darling, I'm still walking and I'm still talking. I'm calling that a win. <laughs> yes. uh, because it is. That's exactly that's exactly the problem. You are just exhausted by the end of it. And that, that break is needed. You need to make sure you have that time out. But um and yeah, of course you watch it and, and there is an element that I um, I will watch it now and sit there and go and, and sort of sit there from an alpha point of view going, oh God, yeah, I just remember how hard this bit was and how I felt. You can't sort of get away from that a little bit. That's why I'm kind of so excited about the film because I think that will be the first time I can sit there and not compare the energy levels because it's a completely different genre. It could be the type of thing, you know, of the filming took, took place over 10 months. So um, they're not going to have any struggles. So it, you know, it would be nice to, for me to sort of experience it in that way and probably for the first time. But um, but yeah, you still can't get over the fact that, you know, it's a really great show and there's great songs in it and it's very well done. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's why I sort of um, 
I would perhaps put it up there for sure. It's one. I don't think it's ever going to close. It's stupidly popular now, and this is before the two-part movie comes out, starring some of the biggest people in the world. It's yeah, it's going to be there forever. It really will. Yeah, I can't see it going. Literally, within 10, 15 years, it'll still be there. Which musical has made you laugh the most? Which musical has made me laugh the most? Um, I have a feeling. I see. I'm thinking of plays. I can't help but think of plays because my funniest, the thing that about what I like most about comedy is fast. Uh, yeah. So as long as there is um, a farcical element to things, um, I I really enjoy it. Like anything the Mischief Theatre Company do, I love. Mm. Flea in her ear, noises off, all of those kind of things. Um, I really scream at. Uh, I was actually in one that I would probably find the funniest. So that's what I. That's why I'm going to choose this one. I would. I would choose Dirty Rotten Scoundrels because of that fact that it's very farcical. It's very stupid, mm. um, and uh, it's again very very well written. Um, and uh, I laughed when I was in it. So God knows what they were doing sitting in that audience. But one of my favourite things is making people laugh. So um, it's uh, it, yeah. I would say that it's not done enough that show either. I mean, we did a really good production of Savoy, and I never saw it on Broadway. But when even when I listen to the soundtrack, I'm screaming. So. Um, yeah, I would go with Don't Run Scandals. I don't want to cost you any future jobs or anything, but are you one for cracking up on stage when you're not meant to? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I think that what I would say was you can see it. If you're, if you're near me mm. and you're looking into my eyes, you can see that I've gone, <laughs> but I'm quite good at, at like the audience not seeing it because my face is like, generally I've got wrestling bitch face most of the time. So when my face is like, like it, it, it looks quite sad. So even if I'm smiling a little bit, I think I'm screaming like laughing, <laughs> but actually it just looks like I'm smiling ever so slightly. So I think I can get away with a lot. Um, but, but yes. Oh my gosh. I've laughed. Yeah. I've laughed. Yeah. I, I did a really, really massive corpse once um, with Sophie in Wicked, which I won't say the song, but we did, I, I did corpse so much that I had to sort of like turn away from the audience because and just let try and get it out because there's mm. a point where you, when you're trying to hide it so much actually that's like that's even worse because you're because you just like laugh more so I just had to laugh and get over it but yeah. um but yeah Sophie was terrible because Sophie would go almost instantly Sophie was just like um, she was just her face would just go and she and I couldn't look at it anymore because it was just we were just laughing but she's got the blessing of playing a funny light-hearted character Whereas Alphaba, as you say, the trauma, you can't just be laughing all the time. Yeah, she, she doesn't laugh that much, you know. She, so, yes, that was that was a particularly tricky one if you did it in Wicked, if you do it in one of those things. And obviously, it's, sometimes it does happen when you do it in those really emotive moments. Mm. Um, you know, and something really funny happens and you're like, I shouldn't be laughing at this. That then makes you laugh more because you're, you know, singing a song about something really tragic. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I definitely can't say that I haven't caught some stage, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It's that uh, it's that naughty school school child thing where you shouldn't be laughing. Yeah. But you are. well, exactly. we, we broached this subject earlier. Um, but what is your favourite movie musical? I've got two. I thought about this. I've got two. I really like Chicago, and I, and there's a reason why I really like the Chicago movie musicals because I think it's done. I think it's quite difficult to do movies m- musicals into a movie. I think it's really really difficult to do, and I think Chicago nailed it in the new like era a genre of music, making movies uh, musicals into movies um because they did sort of like just the right amount of stage into and sort of like drama so i love that i think that was an amazing one yeah. i 
have have a love for an old one called Hello Dolly, because I used to watch it all the time with Barbara Streisand. So I've got a big love of that one because it's just so iconic and and classic. Yeah. But definitely number one is Tick Tick Boom. I thought that was a phenomenal adaptation of a really good musical. Thought that was that couldn't have been done any better, and no one should touch it ever again because it was just too good. Well, you talk about how Chicago is quite a hard one to adapt for. Um, from the stage into a musical Tick Tick Boom I never in a million years would have thought you could make a movie let alone a good movie out of that show that's it and they didn't and you know it, it again I think they did sort of similar things to what Chicago did was there was always a t- tiny performance element element where he was actually performing that in a show form and then it would come out and it would be that his so it was very there was similarities to how they the process of doing the of uh, Chicago but yeah, it, I just it, it just couldn't have been done any better. The the the, the way that you, they cut it together and mm. um, its flow, I just went, that's brilliant. And it's a really interesting story, you know. You do sort of fall for it. Andrew Garfield, I think, is just like stellar casting. Can't get better than that. It was so good. I mean, I I saw it. I think as I was also turning thirty, or maybe a bit older actually. Um, but as a composer as well, and someone of that age thinking this creative stuff I'm doing is it what's happening with it I mean you're a creative person as well did it hit you on that level completely you just feel so hard for him you just go yeah it's relentless you know yes. and, the, and the world of composing you know is definitely even a world uh, that I can see is even harder to get sort of like stuff seen stuff sung stuff produced um so yeah I definitely came at it from a uh, with a similarity of how I felt but yeah, I just thought it was just so okay. And and then because I made my mum and dad watch it, they don't know the story of uh, Larson at all. So they were just sort of like they didn't really know much about it, and they uh, they watched it. And my mum just said, "I we watched it twice. They watched it straight away, straight after it because they just went, I loved it, and I cannot believe he didn't see the opening of Rent.' And I went, I know, you know. And that's the most tragic thing about it. It was just so so brilliantly done. Yeah, it was so enjoyable. So even anyone who doesn't really like musical theatre, I think you can kind of like that. A hundred percent. It's just. Yeah. It's, it's not, a mu- you know, they're breaking out into song, but as you say, they're performance elements and the songs are beautiful. And so it wouldn't work without the songs as well. Um, you mentioned earlier that you play piano and harp a bit. Do you compose at all? Do you have any aspirations for that? Do you know, I'm terrible at it. Oh. Uh, like, I, yeah, I know. It's really weird. I just can't. Um, my musical brain is not that, it just doesn't go that way. It just doesn't develop that way. It's I can read stuff and I can make stuff work that's already on the page. Um, but creating new stuff, I'm just terrible at it. So no, essentially, is the answer. really quick answer. I just, I really wish I could. I really wish I, I'd love to be able to sit at the piano and sort of create new music, but I'm just terrible at it. I work with Chris Orton at the minute, he's written this show. Mm. And if I say, you know, oh, I just don't know if I like that bit or like, he just can write something else within minutes. And I'm like, you know, I think that's really impressive. So yeah, and it's just because it's just not me. I can't do it at all. Fair enough. I mean, maybe it'd be one of those things, you turn 60 years old and suddenly a switch changes in your brain and your next on time you never know maybe yeah oh that'll stop belting by then so i'll need something else <laughs> what is a musical that people might be surprised to learn that you love it could be something at odds with your personality or a guilty pleasure or something like that no i'm going to go with what i've already told you heathcliff the musical which no one would thought that i that they've heard of or love that's just so my guilty pleasure just whack that on it's brilliant the second one i don't know i think people will probably know that i love this but i love six come on oh, now nice. it's just great it's it's just cracking you know it's just it's so I mean who'd thought that would work but it does and it's brilliant and it's getting so many young people into musical theatre as well it's amazing 
Yeah, it's fantastic. It's got such a big following. I think it's brilliant. I think it's, you know, and I remember growing up, you get really, like in history lessons, you really do get taught the, the Henry VIII stories and, and his wives. Sure. So I think that helped it. Like we, like we definitely go, oh, yeah, that's the history thing about Henry VIII and his wives. Yeah. But the way that they sort of like mixed it up and used this kind of idea, modernizing it and um, and making it very girl powery, actually, in a way, was uh, was very clever. But yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I could sit and watch that like twice a day three times a day yeah and how great to see girl power represented as not just and here's a strong female character and here are six very different women but all powerful and amazing in their own way yeah they sort of turned it on its head they sort of turned a story where you know a man was in charge and ruined these women's lives really um around and and sort of made you think of it all differently very clever just something i would never have thought of so bravo to them on the opposite side of the coin, what is a musical that other people really love, are really obsessed with, but doesn't quite connect with you? It doesn't have to be a musical you hate or you think is bad. It just doesn't connect with you in the same way it does with other people. God, I'll probably upset people now, won't I? Um, oh, everyone's different. Everyone can have a little musical. They don't. Yes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, for, for me, I'm, I struggle with Rodgers and Hammerstein quite a lot. Okay. Um, so... I just it's never particularly my favorite genre because it, it's very um like like the South Pacific hmm. or Sound of Music or um Carousel. I actually there's some nice stuff in Carousel. Oklahoma, oh my god, I can't stand Oklahoma. So so yeah, those just aren't for me. And I just find that they're hey, they're always too long. I can't stand a long show. I'm really against it. I'm like, cut, cut, cut. No one wants to be in the theatre that long. I even thought that about Hamilton. It's the one thing I'll say about Hamilton. It's yeah. too long. Um, but, you know, so, so I'm, I'm always that person. But, yeah, for the, for the Russian Hammerstein, I don't know. I just find it, um, for modern musical theatre, I, what I enjoy about it is you are in a scene, doing a scene, and it flows into song, and, it, and they're simultaneous. So it sort of happens without you knowing it. Yeah. That's that's what I like about musical theatre. And I think what people don't like about it, if you, they're a hatred of musical theatre, it's because they're suddenly doing a scene and then suddenly they're in a song. And it's two very different things. And I feel that that, that old musical theatre style is, that, is very much that. Sure. Um, whereas new musical theatre is just kind of like, let's make it that it, it's simultaneous and it happens. And actually the music is there to sort of enhance the scene as opposed to sort of like be a separate entity. Um, so I think that's my... That's that's part of my issue with this sort of Romerson and Hammerstein things. I think people do them differently now. They're trying to do things in new ways, which modernize those old classics, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm all for that and, and probably would prefer them. But yeah, I think um, that's my issue with it, with a lot of those kind of shows. No, that's absolutely fair. Um, it's like, Ooh. I guess musical theatre is like any other genre. If you watch a comedy from, from like the 70s so much of it is going to be slightly outdated or just cliched at this point or an old joke and it just won't have the same impact that it might have had at the time and fair enough that's why the new Oklahoma the carousel at Regent's Park they put a lot of effort into updating modernizing making them more relevant again 100% yeah couldn't agree more what do you think is the most romantic musical this is a little bit of a random one I actually managed to see this on Broadway and see it when it was here at the other palace Mm. and it was only on Broadway for three months so I was magically there at the same time uh, but I love and romantically and just cry and weep and hope that someone loves me that much. I'm sure my husband does. Mm-hmm. Big fish. I haven't seen that at all. Okay, I feel like an unromantic, unsentimental person now. Shame on me. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Mm. It's just gorgeous. And 
uh, it's the, it, the song Daffodils is the one. That, Time Stops is the first one they fought madly in love, but uh, time, uh, but daffodils is when he actually asked to marry me, and it's just so romantic and so beautiful. And you know, it's yeah, I think that one for me, and it's it's not really ultimately all about that, but their love story in in the middle of it is really, really just wonderful and so gorgeous. So yeah, I would say that one. Do you, would you consider yourself a romantic, sentimental sort of person in general, or just at the musical theatre? I no, I do love it. Yeah, I do love I do love that kind of stuff. Yes. So I think I don't think I'm like overly sentimental, but um, yeah, I'd love to be surprised. Romance is is divine. So yes, husband, if you're listening, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> what musical have you never seen that you think you should see? Back to the Future. Haven't seen it yet. That's been out for a while as well. I know. I just not got a chance to, and then it won like you know Best Olivier, and I've got friends in it, so. I'm going to find the time to see it because I also love that movie. I think maybe I, I stopped because I was like, I don't know if I need a movie musical Back to the Future. And mm. I don't know if that was one that jumped out of me that's saying that would be making to a musical. And I don't want to be annoyed by it because it's Back to the Future. It's one of my favorite movies. But uh, because everyone says it's great, I'm going to go and see it because I can't wait. So I'm going to go and see it. And I think I should see it. And I think I'm probably going to love it. So my own um, issues there with not seeing it beforehand. <laughs> no, um, I was exactly the same before I went to go see it. Everyone had told me it was great, but I could not see in my mind how it could be better than the movie or worth seeing. But um, I won't give any spoilers, but there's magic in that show. It's really phenomenal. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Okay, good. Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? Obviously, you lived in yeah, Oz for a while. That is an answer we get for this question a lot. Would you be tempted to go back there? Uh, well, no, because they treated me so terribly. They did, actually. Um, so, do you know, no. <laughs> you could always go back as another character. I, that's true. I could go back as Glinda and then everyone just loves me and adores me. So that would be all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I. so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that is a great um, fictional world to live in. Um, no, I'd probably go and live in a Disney movie. Who wouldn't live in yeah. some sort of Disney? That would be nice, living in palaces and things. So I'd probably go and I'd probably live in... Um, Disney 2's world you know in in like where it's where, where Elsa ends up living in like the forest basically she lives with all the animals and all the magic and all the other people that's probably where I'd live absolutely but like just after the bit where it's all scary and there's drama oh god it's, it's all... oh no the nice bit oh the nice bit yeah where it's all it's all fixed at the end yeah <laughs> fast forward straight to the happy ending love it mm. if you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical which one would you choose to bring up to date or to change in some way yeah, really good, complex question there. Um, I think I would probably do, um, because it's one of my favourites from old, I would I would do Hello, Dolly. So yes. I'd sort of like reimagine it because I think um, every time I see it done now, it's done very rigidly in the original Hello, Dolly way. Um, and I think if you, you know, change it up, mix it up a bit. It's just one of my favourite scores. I think it's brilliant. Um, and again, with like this leading woman as a brilliant, strong character, um, solving issues and, you know, solving people's love lives, I think is fantastic. It's very Emma, you know, the uh, Jane Austen book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just sort of love it. And uh, and I think that one I'd love to bring back. Um, however, I would still keep all the big outfits and the big hats because, basically my life is just to do musicals where I can try and wear as big a hat as possible. <laughs> that does fit actually that does fit uh, can we expect any hats in then now and next or are you going to put one in last no night? I don't have any hats no I don't have any oh. hats it's very very sort of like you know 2010 so not not a huge hat wearing um era 
but uh, but yeah, it's just lots of putting jackets on. Basically, after I've come from away, I think people just think like Alice loves to costume change, a really simple costume change, but it's <laughs> taking coats off and on is actually a nightmare because you never know when you're meant to have it on and when you have to have it off. Yeah, I mean, I struggle to put my coat on every morning, let alone with the pressure of an audience staring at me and moving oh. chairs around. And I mean, come from away must have been so complex with all the props you had and you were on stage the whole time. Yeah, I remember my husband coming to see it and I was like, oh, no, it's really, really simple. It's just like we've just put like a jacket on, that's it, and take it off and move a chair. Mm. And he came to see it and he went, oh, my God, that looks so confusing. And I do not know how you've learned that jacket choreography <laughs> because I literally you have to take it off and sometimes you have to hang it on the side of the chair, sometimes to put it over the back. Sometimes you put it over your arm. Um, and then sometimes you've got like a scene change where it was like, whack it on as quickly as you can on. So then you have to hold it a certain way so that you can do that really quickly. Because if it's over your arm, you're going to find the holes and then sort of put your arm. So this was very, so it was, yeah. And I just went, yeah, you're right, actually. It's like part of like the, the choreography track is the jacket acting. <laughs> jacket acting with chairs on a revolve. Incredible. Yeah, I use a lot of those. We just sort of like jacket acting or like um, cup acting or wine acting. And yeah, because someone says, can you make sure you've got this prop here? And then you're basically going to the fridge and I go fridge acting. Got it. Yes. You know, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's a term I use quite a lot. I love it. OK, well, the big question everyone tunes in for. If you were the mayor of musical theatre, if you had that power, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? Easy one for me. Jesus Christ Superstar. We've had that a few times, actually. It's got such a connection with people. for such a out-there show. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. That is, I think, there are two scores of Angelo Webber's that I think are his best. I mean, everyone's got their, you know, because he's written so many. Everyone's got their best Angelo Webber. But for me, it's without a doubt, Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, because it's just, I think it's like, you know, it was a new era of music. I think the rock aspect, I was always kind of like a sort of pop rock chick mm. when I was younger. And even now I sort of love it. I don't like too hard a rock. And I think that's really like the perfect sort of pop rock kind of vibe. Um, lots of guitars, lots of, you know, 80s guitars, Queen, you know, that kind of era. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, oh my God, I'm going to say something in a minute that you could maybe edit in. But I think, yeah, I think I would love to. Um, I would go to see that just as a guy. Yeah, oh my God, I'm feeling miserable this week. I need people singing Jesus Christ Superstar. I'll go and see that. Um, so yeah, so I would I would use that one. That's there's there's my stage it forever number. Just going to go back to another question. Please. When you asked me which one I would restage or re re like redo. Yeah. And actually, and uh, I've got friends in the, in the current production of this, and I've seen it. And listen, it it, it wows audiences anyway. But I would love a new book. And a new version of We Will Rock You. I saw that on Friday. It's the, the performances are out of this world. They fill the Coliseum. It's loud. It's a rock concert. And then um, it does also have a plot, which, you know, I'm, I'm a composer <laughs> of musical theatre. I'm not going to criticise anything too heavily. But uh, yeah, I'm not really yeah. sure what's going on between the songs. I just, I just think... I, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is and it doesn't, and it works and they've made money. It doesn't matter. What do we know? Mm. But I think, I think that those songs are so good. And I just recently did a Queen concert actually with Ricardo Afonso, who was obviously a very iconic oh, wow. uh, character in that for so many years. And I just think, you know, because the voices are always so good and because we have got, and because those songs are so good, I think if, if we created a new version of it, you know, just rethink it, reimagine it and um, and take it away from that 
what we think we know we rock you is and actually just completely change it up. There's, there's plenty of other stories we can adapt around that music and make that music make work. Um, and I think that that would be really exciting. And I think um, it would be good. As I say, I'm not saying it, listen, it's done well. What do we know? But, um, but I think, yeah, a new version of that just completely rewritten still going to use those songs still going to be there you're still going to recognize them but that would be really exciting and i think would be really fam- popular because you know we can't get enough of the queen stuff i mean it's been critically mauled um in all of the reviews and everything and it's still doing so well if it had a really impactful story on top of those songs which are indisputably proven to be effective that yeah that could be the biggest show in the world unless unless it's like classic and we just do the bohemian rhapsody film you know and if it's that you know and that you just stage that instead it's just i think you know i think that music deserves to be constantly heard i mean i've seen queen concerts i've seen the adam lambert queen concert um not long ago and you know i will i'm going to see where rocky i have friends in it um in july i will have the best the best day like don't get me wrong i just think that yeah i just think there's a there's a world in which we can readapt it and and still get that stuff out there and we can still let ben elton star in it if he really wants to be involved if if he insists (laughs) he's there on i mean all credit to him he's there on stage in his show with his book that he wrote and he's he's performing it with no shame yeah no like listen go for it and i mean you know make your money and run he's got more money than i have so (laughs) um you know so no, who cares? But yeah, you know, it's uh, it's what it is. That's definitely something I would I would love to see in my in the future. I didn't think I'd be defending Ben Elton on this podcast, but okay. I know, I know, hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So that was Alice Fern. What a lovely human being and a fantastic, fascinating guest. What an amazing career she's had in musical theatre so far. And surely she's only at the start of it. Make sure you get down to Then, Now and Next at Southwark Playhouse to see her perform in a relatively intimate venue. This brand new piece of musical theatre writing is going to be so exciting. Um, So 23rd of June to 29th of July, Southwark Playhouse. Make sure you get tickets for that. Um, follow Alice Fern on the social medias, all the links are in the show notes, and you can follow us at Musical Mayor Pod and Musical Theatre Review at Musical Theatre R on Twitter and at Musical Theatre Review on Instagram. Right, well, make sure you tune in next time for another exciting guest and keep it musical. Bye. <laughs>